1: You know, it's been said that success comes to those who wait. Belief started in the fourth grade. I believe that it's earned with the right attitude. And I had this nagging feeling. A great belief system. I was capable of so much more. An action every single day. In all the pursuits that we have in our lives, I think there's an element of suffering. When you mix that in with faith, courage, discipline, and most importantly, a vision. Never give up on yourself. That's when greatness happens. The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today, again, those that know me know I'm a huge Cardinal fan. Here I am sitting with Dan McLaughlin, the voice of the Cardinals. Dan, how you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Good to be with you. Good
1: to be with you. Well, thanks for coming over here today. We're going to talk some baseball. We're going to talk scoops with Danny Mack. Uh, but like all listeners uh, know on this show, Dan, we we go through and just kind of, what's, what's made you the man you are today? I mean, I know that's a really big, wide-open question, but, you know, What's made you the
0: man you are today? Uh, well, hopefully people like who I am today. I, I don't know. I like who I am today. Um, I can look at myself in the mirror and realize that uh, I like the person that I am. Um, sports, my job, they, they don't define me. My children, my wife, um, I'd like to think the way that I hold myself uh, in the community, that's what defines me. Um. So, what made me the man I am today or the person I am today? Man, that's a great question. Um, You you, you probably wouldn't have enough time. Um, That's a whole other show, right? Yeah, that's definitely a whole other show. Man, you're coming out guns a blazing on (laughs) this one. That's right. Uh, I'd like to thank my mother. You know, my my mom, I I was born and raised in South St. Louis with a family that didn't have a lot of money. Um, And my mom, you know, worked her, her. Back end off. I I is this a podcast. I can't yeah. say the right the other words. <laughs> exactly right. Uh work your rear end off and to make ends meet. Um to send me to a really great school, which was Viani High School. Um I had a baseball scholarship that sent me to Lindenwood University and that led to what I always wanted to do. I, I never wanted to be I, I idolized Ozzie Smith growing up. He was like my favorite baseball player growing up. I idolized Jack Buck growing up. I wanted to be the next Jack Buck. And when I say that, I hope people understand I don't think I'm the next Jack Buck. Sure, I just sure. idolized Jack Buck. Um, I just wanted to be a baseball announcer. I wanted to be an announcer, and um those were kind of the roots that that set me on my way um, and I'd like to think that I outworked a lot of people. I think there are tons of people that could do my job, but I don't think there's anybody that outworks me and that i I felt that way from the get go when I was in you know eighteen years old. Stacking cards at uh, KMOX uh, to this day, and I'm 44, and I still think I outwork everybody. But you know, you got to have a little talent, but you got to have a lot of luck along the way. And I think I was at the right place, right time.
1: Well, that's all. And we're going to talk a lot about that stuff because I could not agree more with what you just said. And one of my favorite quotes is "Success only comes before work." and right. Dictionary. Right? right. And so, but let's talk about that for a second. I mean, I, I'm always fascinated by this. At what age did you know? Gosh, I want to be an announcer.
0: About three. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we grew up. Um, I have an older brother, and he's my only sibling. Um, he's three and a half years older than me. He was a remarkable athlete. He was a three-sport All-American in high school, um, three-sport All-American academic uh, All-American in high school. One was a straight All-American in football, and he went to play at Boston College football and baseball and my point I'm saying this is that we grew up with sports in the backyard. You know, we weren't playing video games. We weren't doing those kind of things that a lot of kids do now. So we rolled out the ball. My parents just rolled out a ball and, you know, go play. And when sun up, sun down, you know, we were playing sports. And I would announce the sports in the backyard. And my brother still tells a story. Like, people ask him all the time, like, you know, how did your brother get into this? You know, he didn't have a last name that was a a famous name, and that's no disrespect to those guys that have those names and have done great things and have remarkable careers. It's just I didn't have that path. I took a different path. Um, And he'll tell you that I, I just was always announcing as a kid, and I always wanted to do this. And so I'd be announcing in the backyard, and this is always what I wanted to do. So I knew, to answer your question, at a very young age, this was something that I wanted to do. Now, I didn't know the path of how to get there I, I really didn't understand like what it's what's it going to take and um quite frankly when i got into it i didn't understand it either um the, the time away from family and the commitment that it took working holidays seven days a week and all those kind of things that go into it that i understand now but i i didn't understand it when i was 22 or 23 and um if i knew then what i know now would i get into it probably but it it certainly would have maybe directed me in a different career path but i i mean my god i I make a a hell of a living i I enjoy what i i love what i do um but it's when you have children it really is a a tougher lesson to learn as opposed to when you're single and running around and having fun
1: yeah lots of face time i'm assuming on the road now yeah yeah so for sure uh I saw in my research last night that you you did your first major league baseball game at twenty three years twenty three yeah how does that even happen
0: Law, luck <laughs> I, you know um, so not many people know I I actually turned down the Cardinals job initially okay. so um, when I started and like this goes back to saying that you're at the right place right time and be lucky I, I was at the right place because there was the explosion of cable television if you go back you know twenty five years ago. Um, What was going on back then was the fact that people were just getting into cable TV, and and especially here in the Midwest, the flat ground allowed the fact that you have a lot of over-the-air games, and so in certain parts of the country, cable TV was mandatory if you wanted to watch sports, and then packages with tv and teams started to explode and whatnot and so that's the direction that you could see that sports were was going in but my background was in radio and marketing and uh producing and shooting and editing and all those kind of things so long story short uh, a friend of mine was working at fox sports midwest and said you need to meet this guy tom mclaughlin spelled differently no relation." so there's no family connection which some people have always said oh you had a guy that you know you knew in your family I was like no and he's no he was no family relation believe me um and I was I was on the air at 20 by the age of 20 at KMOX and I walked into his office and I said I'm Dan McLaughlin he started laughing at me and he was kind of a crusty, old older gentleman, and he said, you got to be bleeping me, and, and uh, he said, you've got five features to show me what you can do. And he put on the card, you know, it was his name and number and whatever, and he, he put a shooter, a cameraman, and an editor. And it's kind of like an act of God because the, the editor is still, I think, one of the most talented people I've ever worked with in my life, and the shooter is a guy that I still work with today. I had a relationship with Jack Buck, and the first piece I did was on Jack Buck. It got nominated for an Emmy, and I worked with Jack. And so he gave me, like, great stuff when I interviewed him. And the editor turned this rough interview into a beautiful, heartwarming, gut-wrenching piece. And uh, I came back to him and said, you know, here's my piece. And it opened up eyes. So he started giving me more and more and more work. So I'm getting to the point of how I got to Cardinal's television. So... He said, "At that point, um, you know, we we need we're we're starting to do these pregame shows with the blues. So I started doing pregame shows with the blues and intermissions, and I was hosting uh, all the blues pregames and the intermissions, and basically producing those as well, and the on air host yeah. and doing all the editing and you know features, everything like doing the wow. entire thing." And then it came down to the next year. He said, well, we have a position that we need a guy on the road because we're going to continue these pregame shows uh, to do the play-by-play, and we can't afford to be traveling all these different people, and you're going to do the play-by-play. And I said, well, no, I'm not. I'm I'm not ready for it. And he goes, I'm offering you the job of doing the Cardinals play-by-play. And I said, I'm turning you down. And he said, well, you have 24 hours to think about it, and you're going to do this. And I said, I'm turning it down, you know. So initially, I turned it down, even though that was my dream job, and I said, "You know, I'm not ready for it." And really, truly, I wasn't. Um, but one thing led to another, and I did accept it. And he said, "You know, you are going to do this, and we're going to stick with you." And um, obviously, I took lumps along the way, and and I, now, if I was in that position, if I felt comfortable in my skin like I do now, if I felt like that then, um, it would have been a no brainer. But. I'm so glad of what I learned then to be able to help me now. You know, now I could care less what people think when I go on the air. I just let it rip and right. I'm I'm having fun and I'm I feel very good about the job I do, but back then, you know, you're so worried, you're a 23-year-old kid. Right. Um and so that's how it all came about. It's just there was positions opening, the explosion of cable television, a job need to be filled. I was the guy, right place, right time. I like to think that my hard work kinda got me in the door and, and that's where it went.
1: Well you can feel the passion on the other end of the line. Oh, I love it. Media. Yeah. So and I think too your job, you know, you got Edmonds one night, you got Robinski yeah. another, you got Horton, you got Thompson, Ankio. I mean all these different people, that that can't be easy to get into a rhythm, but you do a it, darn good job of it.
0: It's that's I'm glad you brought it up. That is a difficult part of the job. Um and all guys have different strengths in what they do. And I think You know, I worked at ESPN for a number of years, which people don't know. Um, And one of the great things that I learned in that experience, and I was doing about 80 to 100 events for ESPN in addition to doing the Cardinals and Mizzou and the Missouri Valley Conference, which people would see here, but they didn't see a lot of the ESPN stuff I was doing. Um, And they would tell the play-by-play guy, look, you call the play, but your job is to set up the guy next to you. Tee him up. He's the star. And I was like, cool, I'm good with that. I don't care. And... I think the job is, now it's different when you're doing a local package because there is a connection to those that are your guys. Um, But your job is to tee them up, and I really have tried to, and I I hope I do a good job of it. I think I do, but to tee them up as best you can.
1: You're listening to the Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland. Stay with us. Joined every single week with great guests who uh, really open up and let us listen in to their world and what it takes to be successful. And they talk about the circuits of attitude, beliefs, and action that ultimately get results that's helped them in their life become very successful in whatever that endeavor is. Well, I mean, what did you learn about success from your, from your mom?
0: Um, can I take a drink of water? You I don't mean to... Okay. Do anything you want to do. I'm like totally dry mouth right now. <laughs> what I learned from my mom is about people. Um, more than money, more than um, money isn't the end-all be-all. I've learned that uh, treating people well is most important. Um, Being a good person is more than money. Um, I'd like to think I'm a good person. I'd like to think I've I've grown into being a better person Um, because when I first got into the job, uh, all I wanted to do was make money and... I never had it as a kid, and now all of a sudden I'm starting to make some pretty good money and That was really important to me and I'm, I'm not saying that you know I don't like to make money; I like to make money just like anybody else, but it's not the most important to me most important thing to me in my life anymore um, and don't get me wrong, I like to make money right. like everybody else, but my mother, what she taught me, she was a nurse, and um, we would see people come to our house. Some of the elderly people in our neighborhood, and my mom was like a pseudo doctor. And these people would come, and they didn't have a lot of money to go to, let's say, the doctor or whatever. I mean, they had enough to go there, but they'd come and say, "I did this to my leg. I did this to my hand. I did this." To blah, blah blah Jane, what do you think we should do? And my mom would say, "I think you got this wrong with you, but you know, you may want to go to the doctor, or you need to get this bandaged, or you need to do this, or you need to do that." And she would do it effortless, effortlessly, and would ask nothing in return, and. Serve, serve, serve. Yeah, she just served everybody, and um, I, I just I look back at it now, and I am getting kind of teary eyed thinking about it. She um, she did it without any. She didn't ask anything in return, you know, and and that always has stuck with me. That and she still does it to this day. That she's always been one that would help others without asking for anything in return, and and that's to me was success. That was more than money. That was you know, you give something to somebody, you get something back more than you ever think about, right? Absolutely. It makes you feel better. It makes you feel good in your heart. And I know that may sound corny and people are like, oh, come on, Dan. But that's what I learned from my mom.
1: Yeah, that's great. And so you've talked a little bit about a couple times already about you're growing, you're growing into a better person. What, what was that process like? I mean, I know for me, I started at 23 years old running my yeah. own investment practice and and now running a firm and and so you do. You grow over time. It is about making money early on. But you realize, and especially you're around people that make you know, more money than anybody in America. Right. Baseball players. But what did Dan McLaughlin do to grow as a person throughout your career?
0: Have children is a big one. Um, four kids and make sure I try to make sure they have a better life than I did. And I've got, like, the best life ever. Right. But I don't know how much I can do to make it a better right. life for them. I don't know. I try to make it a great life for him, but I just I try to teach him that you know learn how the other half lives yeah. and understand that you know what we have is uh, is pretty darn good and um, it didn't just happen and it didn't just happen. You got to work for it. Um, that's number one. Always work. Always be thankful um, and give back. You know, understand that uh, there are people out there that don't have what we have and um, and and make yourself a part of the community to where you should be giving back yeah. you know it's just so important i mean my god i you know this sounds so corny but i was ta- talking the other day about to my kids i said i was driving down to mc a thing at the M, uh, mac and there was people on the street corner you know sleeping right. at, in downtown st louis and i made sure to tell my kids about that you know and i said hey Understand how good we have it. Um, and so what did we do? Saturday we went out and packed up boxes for the poor. Yep. You know, I want you to do that. I want you to be a part of seeing where this goes and understand how this this happens and deliver this. Yep. See where these people are from. Um, and they're not any better than you and I, you know, but they've got stories too. And, um, and it's important that you give back.
1: Yep. Amen to that. So speaking of giving back, I know you're something. Something you're very passionate about right now is the MLS coming to St. Louis. Yeah, right? I'm passionate about it. A lot of people in the community are passionate about it. I'm, I'm nuts not about really it. A big <laughs> guy, but I'm, like, I'm not I'm, either. I see it for the for our city, right, right. For our community. And so, so talk about that MLS for the Lou. Uh, people know about it but why is dan mclaughlin so fired up
0: about I, it? I know people are like what is going on here with this guy um and
1: your speech was awesome by the way for our listeners go to youtube you can find his speech i guess it's to the alderman up at the yeah it was board of alderman yeah board of alderman. it's yeah. a great talk loved your passion in there so sorry to interrupt but no throw that out
0: i appreciate you asking um, i just felt i mean do you want the long story of this yeah. and how i got involved in all this so as you know, I run a website, and I did an interview with Taylor Twelman, who's one of the great soccer players to come out of the, the area. And we've had a bunch. And I have analytics on the website that tell me um, who's listening, how they're listening, and how many people listen. So within a 24-hour period, this thing like had got, just rocketed up to the top 15. So I mean this when I say affectionately. I knew the soccer mafia would be right. like all over it, but... So I I knew that was going to happen. But as I listened to what he was saying, I kind of took it with a grain of salt. So I called him back, and we were texting back and forth about the project. I was more interested in the project than I was about the soccer. So I started learning more about the actual stadium and how it was going to work. And so we're texting back and forth. And I said, so I started asking him questions about how is it going to be built? Does it come out of the, the pocket of a, of, a, of a John Q. public and the citizens? No. Where's it going to go? Goes on blighted land. Okay. How does this affect the citizens of St. Louis? This. What families are involved? This. Okay. And, I, and again, I took it with a grain of salt because a lot of people, in, and I've been in the media a long time, you know, they're going to tell you what they want to push, right. but you have to do the digging yourself. Okay. Called some friends of mine that um, are close to state government, city government, uh, Board of Alderman people, City Hall people, and people I trust, and so I did the digging on my own to find out about this project. And I play devil's advocate with all of them. I said, "Okay, that sounds great. What about this? Well, if that step happens. What about this?" And I was waiting, uh, waiting for the other shoe to drop or the magic bullet. You know, well, we get this far, and then right. here it comes, and I'm telling you, it never came. Yeah. And so I did, I, I hounded Jim Cavanaugh, who if for fans that are listening to your show that don't know, is one of the investors with the Taylor Group and, the, and their family, who they've just done extraordinary things in our city. And I just hounded him, texted him, called him, left messages, you know, and I'm sure he's thinking like, what the hell is going on? Why is Dan McLaughlin calling me? And Jim finally got back to me and he's like, you know, Dan, I'm a, you know, big fan of your broadcast, you know, what can I do for you? And I said, Jim, I, I want five minutes of your time. Will you hear me out? And he's like, yeah, you know, yeah. what do you got? You know? The you right. Said, and yeah. and Jim, um, I've been at Charity Functions with Jim enough to sh- shake hands and say hello. I've never had a, like a long conversation with him. So, you know, this is really our first right. one-on-one. And I said, Jim, I'd like to do an interview with you and I promise you this interview is going to go viral. Uh, social media for sure, but Um, I'm going to share it with like KMOX and 101 and other stations because at that point in time, they had not really, after the uh, initial press conference, talked that much. And there was a lot of people, whether it be soccer people or business people or whomever, that had questions about how it was going to work. And and I understand what they were doing. I think they were just trying to get all their ducks in a row and, and make sure that when they did come out, they were ready to answer those questions. I got it, you know, and I get it to this day. And he said, let's do it, you know. So it was a week later after that. um, We did the interview, and the thing went viral. And he did answer some questions. Now other people are starting to pick up on it. Did another interview, other interview, and things start, you know, things start going. And I'm like, I'm going nuts because I want people to hear about this project because I thought it was soccer, yes, that's the subject matter, But this was important for our city, and we needed to pick ourselves up. And as I said in the speech, you know, I travel for a living, and and there's cities that are starting to move past us, and we need progress. And as I said to anybody that listens, and I appreciate you bringing it up, you can cut through all the minutia of this deal and how, you know, where you want tax dollars to go, and it needs to go to this, and it needs to go to that, and that part of the tax needs to do this, that, and the other. The bottom line is it goes on 30 to 35 acres of blighted land that hasn't drawn a, a cent of right. tax dollars since the mid-60s. It's, it's an, an eyesore. An, it's an eyesore. It's $250 million of private investment of the stadium put together by the Cavanaugh-Taylor families that they're going to build. And um, the only tax dollars that's going to be asked on the general public is if you buy a ticket. So if you go to the game, you're not even knowing that through that ticket, right. that's where the tax dollars are generated. So if you don't even like soccer, you don't go to a game, you don't even know it doesn't even affect you. Right. And then on top of that, they're going to you know get the MLS team here, which is another $150 million. So you know, add up the numbers, it's a $400 million-plus investment of private money going in, and it's not one ask on the general public. And I just could not sit back any longer, and I was like – I wasn't hearing it from news people whether print, radio, TV, uh, anywhere and I was like I have got to get involved. I have got to to try to raise my voice and my platform and use it for something good and get and get people to understand this and support it. And really in my mind the big thing was we got to get pressure on the BOA so that they understand how important this is for the city. Right. So the governor was behind it. The mayor was behind it. But you needed the votes to move forward right. from the Board of Aldermen. And thank goodness that day when I spoke, it was eight zero. And then on Friday, the official vote, 26-2. And now we're moving forward. And I, I, I really knock on wood, I, I think this is going to happen. Right. And this would be a great thing for this town, whether or not you like soccer. Right. And I'm with you. I'm not the biggest soccer fan. Right. I like it. Um but I'm about progress, and this would be progress for the city.
1: Amen to that, man. You, you answered basically my whole list of questions. And I think the biggest one, though, that just to repeat it, is if I live in the city of St. Louis, I don't pay taxes for the stadium, for the soccer team. right? And I think so many people think that, right? But if I go mm-hmm. and maybe it's $0.80, cents, maybe it's $3, whatever it is, right, Off if the I ticket. buy a ticket – that's when I pay my taxes. And right, I should because I'm going to the soccer game.
0: That's right. So if you buy a ticket, that's where the taxes are generated with yeah. us. And so you know, I, I and I fully understand why members of the Board of Aldermen ask questions. They have to do that. You know, they've got to answer uh, to their wards and their constituents. And and I totally understand that. And now in the next few weeks, you're going to hear about lease and property tax and whatnot. And I get that. And it, and and I think. The ownership group was probably hesitant to go full bore and and trying to, you know, come out and be guns a blazing because they were on the heels of Stan Kroenke. And they were on the heels of the first time when they had a 60 million dollar ask of the general public and it got voted down. So privately, they were working very hard behind the scenes um, and, and and they obviously they've worked very hard to make this happen. But this is a great thing for the city of St. Louis. And, and my main point that I wanted to say to the Board of Aldermen, and I know it has resonated with them and with a lot of people, is, look, with if the Taylor family, yeah, if exactly <laughs> yeah, going, yeah. they've done so many things. And, and yeah. let's face it, if they wanted to put their name on a million things in downtown St. Right. Louis or across our region and say, look what we've done, hey, take right. a look at us, look, look how great we are, right. they could and they don't. But my point was, if you say no to them, who are we possibly going to say yes to? Yep. And I think that did resonate with a lot of people.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, it gave me chills, actually, last night I was watching it, because it's true. I mean, the amount of checks that have been written for oh, those families and those two companies.
0: Millions, mm-hmm. if not billions of yeah. dollars. Yeah, yeah.
1: lots yeah. and lots and lots of zeros behind that. So what's what's a typical day like? for you
0: right now yeah well uh,
1: now and but maybe in the season too but yeah now even the offseason i think people are probably curious what's what's dan what's danny mack doing
0: um it's it's uh it's really changed with because of my website um i put a lot of effort into that you know i, I kind of make it like my own personal radio station if you will so i get up with my kids um up early six six thirty get them fed get them to school come home do an interview or two uh Probably check the, uh, make sure the invoices and people that I pay for the website or everything's going in and out, you know, like a business. I run it like a business. Um, And then by 2 o'clock usually is when I pick up my kids and all four of my kids are involved in something athletic or in dance or something. So they've got. Doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. I four
1: as well, so it doesn't stop. Yeah,
0: and mine are 13, 11. I got twins that are nine. So. One practice to the other, and by nine thirty, I'm gassed. Right, and I'm out. You know, (laughs) so by the time same life, yeah. So by the time 9.30 hits, I'm about uh, I'm about done. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: and so now then, it's a sports. uh, It's during the season, and now you know you're in you're in Boston for the weekend. Okay, what's what's the day like?
0: Good question. Um, Usually up early doing stuff for the website. Um, Get up. On the road, I'll get to the ballpark early. I'm to the ballpark on the road by usually 1, 1 1.30, prepping for the game, and and then down on the field by, let's say, 3 o'clock in the clubhouse – Four four thirty, kind of hanging out on the field till probably five thirty six.
1: And are you just, are you actually? Work, I mean, obviously you're working, but yeah. I mean, are you just kind of like talking to guys, hanging out with yeah. buddies. Or are you? No, no, no. And, it's talking to guys, talking, talking to
0: Mike Schilt. You know, and that's where you get a lot of your background for the game, and it's a lot of background. Some you can use, some you can't. Right. And so, some you know you can get directions of where. Maybe they're going, yeah. you know, you kind of get an idea of like who's hot in the bullpen and who's not. And that's really important for me because then, yeah. you know, if a lefty comes up and you're saying, well, that lefty should be up in the Cardinal bullpen and he's not, if they give you a little background. They'll say, well, if we can stay away from Joe Blow tonight and the fan at home is screaming, why isn't Joe Blow up? You can kind of dance around it and say, "Well, Joe Blow is dealing with something tonight, and that's why that guy's up." Answer, yeah. yeah, and I think that's if a manager is smart, he'll give you that background so he protects himself and he protects the player. So you can, you know, then the manager isn't asked to say, well, you look like an idiot tonight. Why didn't you bring in that guy?" And he say, "Well, as I said earlier, he, he's dealing with uh, you know he's got, got an a ankle issue." Right. And that kind of stuff does happen. You're listening to the Circuit of Success with
1: Brett Gilliland. Stay with us. Success. I am your host, Brett Gilliland. It's been awesome so far in this interview. We're going to dive right back in. And we're going to dive into the attitude, the beliefs, the action that ultimately gets results. So let's dive right back into this week's guest. So what advice would you have for our listeners? Again, maybe it's from a parenting standpoint or it's in the boardroom. But there's a lot of chaos, right? Notifications yeah. and emails and phone calls and meetings and kids stuff, and I think yeah. it's crazier than when you and I were kids, right? I think was, I'm probably first crazier.
0: of all I'm, I'm the last guy to take advice from because right. I'm a nut. So, okay. but but if right. you want to listen to my advice, right. I, well, I, I'm
1: just saying thriving through chaos, right? I mean, yeah. know, there's lots of chaos, and just how do we thrive through it? I would assume that you're going to say preparation. I mean, basically on yeah. what you talked about, I,
0: I'm this. I I need to take my own advice with this, but family first is always. Number one, um, preparation, I, I guess, would be the thing that always comes to mind. Um, nothing's that important. Yeah. I, I'm getting to the point where I'm realizing just nothing is that important and, and, and except your family. Right. You know, now it's easier said than done. You know, if I would have said this to myself 10 years ago, I'd have said, what are you talking about, Dan? You know, you got mortgage, you got young children, you're not financially set, you've got all this other stuff going on, you know. And I would have said that to the me of now, and I'd have said, yeah, go get out of here. But as I go along in my life, I'm starting to realize just nothing's that important, except your children and and trying to be a good person. You know, That really is the bottom line.
1: Well, my favorite question I always ask is fears. I mean, I'm assuming like the rest of us, there's fears you've put in your mind, maybe when you were 23, when you were 33, or even now, right? But how many of the fears you put in your mind? actually came true to the magnitude you put them in your mind to be
0: the fear i have now is um the number one fear i have it doesn't really result in well it does well the fear i have now is not about business the fear is being a good parent and making sure my children um if you want me to be quite honest with you i I don't want my kids to (laughs) drugs scare the hell out of me yeah you know um Seeing the stuff that you see on TV and as my kids grow older into high school and college and the things that are opioids and the things and the that you... ease getting them now. Exactly. And the things that you read about, um, that scares me. And, yeah. and just preparing my children for life. Um, am I doing the right things? Just like if you would say to probably my mom and then her mother, you know, I, I bet their biggest fear was, am I raising my kids properly that they'll be right. good citizens and they'll be good good people, am I doing the right things to make my kids good people, right. you know, and that, but drugs scare the hell out of yeah. me, I mean, yeah. I just, I don't want them around that stuff yeah. and because it could just result in so many bad things which is, I think, every parent's worst nightmare and then um, just making sure, am I doing the right things to make them hopefully good citizens and am I making them good people, are they, are they treating friends with respect, are they treating their... Uh, elders with respect are they going to be good citizens that's what i worry about that's my main thing
1: i think too i mean it's important is, is like with the vulnerability the transparency as a parent with four kids i'm sure it's the way with three and two but right the craziness at home right right I mean, like how do you keep your cool right because you're thinking about your website and your business and you, right you go on the road and you got to do this and you got to do that and then there's chaos going on
0: yeah um you stay even keel sometimes i walk i gotta walk away right. you know yeah. i just i right. sometimes i uh literally get in my car and i tell my wife i gotta go i'm oh, going okay. up to starbucks yeah. uh, and i'm grabbing a coffee and she's like it's nine o'clock at night and i said i know <laughs> I but know. i i gotta go get a coffee or i gotta just right. take a ride and, and yeah. get out because <laughs> out. it's just insanity at my house yeah. you know just like every parent deals with and but you know, I think that's the other thing too. I always tell people like there is no it's so funny, I had a friend of mine just had a kid and they were reading Doctor Spock and I said, Well, yeah, my wife read Doctor Spock too and I thought it was uh informative and interesting, but there is no playbook for having a kid. Yeah. You right? can't you can't Google it either. No, right? no. Nothing you can do. There about is no playbook.
1: Sure. Um I'm gonna say some names and some events and I want you to talk about these. So when you hear the DeWitt family.
0: Oh man. I think they're incredible, um, and some people will probably roll their eyes because they're like, oh, well, Dan, you work for the DeWitts. Um, I think they're incredible on a, on a couple of fronts. One, for me personally, um, how they've dealt with me in my life, ups and downs in my life on a personal level. They've been incredible to me, uh, caring for me, um, just amazing people. Um, in terms of what they're doing, I think from a civic standpoint for the city. They continue to invest in the city, whether it be from the stadium or ballpark village or phase two, and then eventually probably phase three. I commend them for investing in the town. So uh, I love the people. I, I, the, Bill DeWitt Jr. is just like a normal dude. You right. know, I mean, you, you, you sit there and you say, God, these guys must be worth like, you know, X amount of dollars right? right and and you go up to Bill and you're like hey Mr. DeWitt and he's like hey Dan how's it going yeah. and I'll say hey can I do an interview with you yeah sure Uh what do you got Eleven thirty. yeah like, how about 10 minutes and you you sit there and shoot the bull with him and then he sits down for you for an hour and just talks you know right. talks baseball or how you doing in your life you know and and then his son Bill DeWitt third, is the same yeah. Um. just just amazing people and um, uh Junior's wife has just been incredible to me. And their whole family has just been great. And they, um, they're they just amazing people. And I, I can't say yep. enough about them.
1: Yadier Molina.
0: Best uh, catcher I've ever seen. Um probably I've seen a lot of catchers. Yeah. Uh, future Hall of Famer for sure in my book. Definitely Cardinals Hall of Famer and probably the tough baseball player I've ever seen.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't mess with Yadier.
0: No, and after I saw the injury that he had this year, uh, which makes me cringe a little yeah, bit, exactly. <laughs> for him to come back the way yeah. he did was amazing.
1: Yeah, even to walk off the field the way he did. Yeah,
0: yeah. and I, a- he's got two years left on his contract, and I don't buy that he's going to retire after those two years. All right. Well, that's good. That's just what my personal opinion.
1: I uh, I've had social uh, experience with him. He he's was my neighbor, and and but my he was my son's baseball coach oh it's really pretty wild to think. yeah yeah So here we were i don't know seven eight nine years old they were my second one and and you'd show up in these little towns and next thing you know there'd literally be 300 people at our game just waiting to, just to watch the yeah, kids play yeah. baseball and then there's yadi on you know certain days sure so they sure. knew when the cardinals were off yadi was there so yeah pretty cool so um a Cubs series so what's that mean to you
0: um it's exciting no matter where they're at Excuse me, the Cardinals or the Cubs in the standings. Um, I would advise if you have the means to do it to go to Wrigley Field and and check out a weekend Cubs Cardinals weekend series. Um, it's unlike anything in baseball. Uh, and when they come to St. Louis, there's a vibe that's different in the ballpark, even so in even St. You St. Louis. Can feel it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can feel an electricity to that Friday night game for sure. Yeah. Saturday is really cool, too, because then the people that had to work on Friday make their way to St. Louis. But going to Wrigley, and then when you walk the town on Friday night because it's a day game on a Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday, it's it's just different. It's just um, I, I it's mark it down on your calendars, get the yeah. tickets, take the train up. Like a train is a couple That's hundred cool. bucks or something like that, It's and it's a, a neat experience. Yeah. I would advise anybody to That's do it.
1: That's a great idea. Uh, birds on the bat. It's the organization. Yeah,
0: it's iconic. Um, first of all, I think it's one of the coolest logos in sports. I love it. Um, when I think of the birds on the bat, and I know this may sound corny too, but it makes me think Stan, Lou, Gibby, Albert, Yachty, um, and it makes me think Jack. You know, I mean, I just kind of start thinking about iconic people that have been associated with the team, and... Uh, and then I think that I've been a part of it now coming up on 22 years, and I kind of get you pinch yourself. Yeah, I get goosebumps, and I grew up in South St. Louis cheering for the team, and to have a small role in what's been going on here in recent memory, it's, it's pretty cool.
1: You ever sit back and think about that? I mean, like, does it ever really hit home, or do you slow down enough to think about, like, my goodness, yeah. look what happened? I do.
0: I do. Um, I didn't at first, I didn't realize the magnitude of the job. Um, now I do. And when it, when it hits me now is that younger kids and maybe your kids, certainly my kids, they are now watching the games on TV. And not to say they don't listen on radio, but the way that they're taking in the experience of the games, if they're not there, is yeah. to watch on TV. And so my voice is associated with them and, and for them and and with the team. And so you're asking, you know, do my kids know what's going on? they're getting older now that they do. And what's kind of freaky for them is when I'll be with them. And if I'm, I don't have a hat on or something yeah. and I'm shaved and dressed in clothes, you know, I went to an event the other day with my kid and all the kids came up and wanted pictures or an autograph, you know, and like, that's just my dad. Exactly. <laughs> to them, I'm just dad, you know, right. but that resonates with them. Yeah. You know, they're like, Whoa, that's when it kind of yeah. freaks them out. That's awesome. It yeah. is. It's cool. And I, yeah take great responsibility and always just saying absolutely yes you know taking pictures and you know talking to people and parents because i think again the responsibility of the job is to do the games but it's to sell the game too and to sell cardinal baseball which if you can give somebody a handshake or a, a picture or talk five minutes to them that's a that goes a long way. Well,
1: absolutely. well especially in today's world, because one way or the other, it can go viral real fast, right? You oh yeah, somebody, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know about that.
0: I've seen it, you know, and I understand why players don't do it nearly as much anymore. I mean, I was to the point in my younger days, you know, I'd go out with some of the players. They're my buddies. Right. We go play golf, and right. then you know, we play the game, and then you know, you go out and have dinner with them, and you know, they're having a couple beers or a glass of wine or whatever, and Now they're careful. I mean, camera phones are not their friend, you know, and they might be out with a friend, truly a family friend that could be of the opposite sex, and it might be their wife's best friend, and they're meeting them, and all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, this guy was out with this, and it's like, well, yeah, that's my neighbor, or that's my cousin, or that's my family friend, and they can't win. So a lot of those guys are in a no-win situation, which is really unfortunate.
1: So uh, your favorite call, when you look back at your career, what do you got?
0: Um, Matt Holliday's home run and what I thought was – it could have been his final at bat in St. Louis, and many of us were privy. It was amazing. Um, It was a Friday night. The Pirates were in town. Final series of the season two years ago, I guess it was now. And the background was his, his contract was up. The Cardinals had an option to bring him back. Some of us were privy to the fact that he was not going to come back. Um and so the, the team was still mathematically alive. Yeah. So the games meant something and he really hadn't swung a bat at all. But they wanted to give him a, a final send-off to the to the fans, but you're mathematically alive, so how are you going to do that with a guy that hasn't swung a bat, right? You know, you right. how are you going to you got to be competitive. Yeah. And so um, I knew they were trying to get him in and um, so he, he comes up, and you could see the tears coming down his cheeks. And the reason it was my favorite call, uh, I, I got to be close with Matt. I, I really liked Matt He's a lot. A He's an awesome guy. I knew many of the stories that did not get made public about hospital visits and things that he did for sick children. He and his wife did a lot for people here in this town. He donated yeah, so a lot of checks, money. That
1: guy wrote. Him and Wainwright.
0: Amazing. Um, I remember being at a, an event one night, and um, and I'm not going to say who it was or the event, but he just wrote a guy check and said, here, you and your wife go on this trip. I mean, he did that stuff all the time. And so to me, it was a personal thing and a connection to him. And so he uh, comes up and hits that home run. And I thought, man, if that's not storybook, I don't know what is. And so... For me, that was my, my favorite call. And, and there's been a lot of neat moments I've seen, you know, Pujols' 2,000th hit or, you know, a no-hitter, uh, seeing Bud Smith's no-hitter on radio with, working with Mike Shannon. That's a, you know, you don't forget cool, those yeah. kind of things. But just realizing the backstory for Matt and understanding what the city meant to him and vice versa and the magnitude of the moment, to me, that was my favorite call.
1: I like it. Uh, last question is, what's your purpose now?
0: Purpose in life?
1: Yeah, just when you look at your career and you look now, maybe the next twenty years or thirty years, whatever it may be.
0: Um, first of all, to stay alive, I'd, I'd <laughs> like to see. and uh, I mean that sincerely. Yeah, get get in better shape. I'm trying. I've have done better this off season. I'm I'm getting in better shape, so that's like good. It. So uh, so I can you know see my kids get old and and see grandkids. I got like I said four kids. So God. God willing, though, you know, they'll be popping out some kids at some point. Hopefully not soon. Um, But, you know, longevity. Um, I used to always say, because I was a young guy and being an idiot, you know, you say, I can't wait to retire early and make this amount of money and and be done. Um, I don't want to do that anymore. Um, And again, people may listen to this and go, ah, shut up. And that's fine. But they don't know what's inside me. And that's fine. You know, I would like to have longevity in the job, and I'd like to do it in St. Louis. Um, and with the longevity, you can make an impact. Certainly behind the mic, which would be cool, and and that would be that'd be great. You know, the, the job is the job, and and that's fun. But I would like to make, and I remember saying this a long time ago to Dan Caesar, and I think he kind of poo pooed it. And it was when I was very young. But I would like to make more of an impact in the community, and I I have tried to do a lot community-wise, and charitable causes and things of that nature, um, but I'd like to do more. And whether that's writing checks, whether that's emceeing, whether that's my golf tournament, which has done a lot of uh, stuff for um, kids, I'd, I'd like to continue that. But that only continues in a way through through not not all, but through the platform of the job, because the job gets you indoors right. that you normally wouldn't get to get that's into. Right um so longevity in the job but also making an impact in the community and seeing what doors can open to to make an impact with people and sometimes those doors open for you that you don't know that you meet people and you just you're like man that kind of touches me in in a way that i didn't realize or um or you meet people that you you don't realize or sometimes it hits you at home in your own family and, and something happens so that's what i like to do i you know um you know, my wife said to me the other day, she said, you're only going to do this for blah, 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 blah. And I said, no, I'm going to probably do it until Fred. they pull me out of there <laughs> exactly. and I'm making like a thousand mistakes yeah. on the air. Yeah. And then they can just like, you know, put me on Sunday home games exactly. as a nostalgic thing. I, I don't know. I We'll see where life takes me. But um, for right now, this has been uh, honestly, I I've, as I say to so many people, and I probably have taken up way too much of your time. But nope. this has been I, I always I say to people all the time, I have lived. Uh, 8,000 lifetimes already In what I've done In this job right. The people I've met um, The experiences I've had yeah. The good and the bad um, It's been incredible I mean it's just been Absolutely incredible
1: Literally living the dream
0: Yeah It's been my dream And I'm living it So it's its just been amazing
1: That's awesome So Scoops with Danny Mac Yes sir And dot scoopswithdannymac.com And I gotta ask Why is the P yellow?
0: Everybody asked me that The, the uh, letter
1: P Yellow yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, first of all, I didn't do it. So I have an IT company, and the whole Scoops website thing is like a long story. So through the IT company that helps me run it, and they're unbelievable. It's the Miller Group. Um, there's like a marketing lady that helps yeah. me, and she's amazing. And she's, she's like, what do you think of this logo? And I just looked at it on my phone. I was like, oh, great. I didn't, like, dissect Whatever. the P being yellow. yellow. <laughs> In retrospect, I might have made the P... Red, Red or blue Red. or purple or something, but it's yellow, and I just so It's just the way it is. It's just the way it well, there is. There you go. I had yeah. I had asked. <laughs> well, it's fine. I get it. I, I, like I get it. asked a lot.
1: So where can our listeners find more of uh, Dan McLaughlin? Social media.
0: Yeah, FF social media. DannyMac Yep. Uh, I'm on um, Twitter at DannyMacTV. I get Facebook. Um, sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I shut it All off right. for two weeks, but. Um, the website. I'm on that. I'm doing slew basketball, some select games, and then before you know it, we got spring training baseball.
1: All right, man. Well, thanks for being
0: here. You bet. Thanks for having I me. Really I appreciate it. your time. You bet.
1: You know, each week we come and we have a we have a goal. Our goal for you is to to take a nugget, to take something every single week. Uh, when we dive into the person's life, you know, they talk about the roads they've traveled. They talk about their struggles. They talk about some of their victories. you know How have they done? What they've done to become successful? So tune in each week on Sundays from 4 to 5 p.m. We look forward to spending each and every week with you. If you want more about our firm, Visionary Wealth Advisors, please find us online at visionarywealthadvisors.com or you can go to the show's website, circuitofsuccess.com. We're also on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. We're there. Come find us. We're easy to find. And uh, we'll be back next week with another great guest on the Circuit of Success.